5G technology might not be the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words brain surgery. Going under the knife for any reason isn't the most thrilling proposition for anyone, but how would you feel about getting a surgery without doctors in the operating room? 5G promises to bring many innovations to healthcare including remote surgery. But is that a fact or a fiction? Let's find out. Hey guys, this is your host Ashish Jain from Kairos Pulse. Thanks for listening to the Alignment podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact and challenges in a way that is both accessible and thought-provoking. In today's podcast, we have someone highly experienced to operate in the ultra complex environment. We are talking with brain surgeon Dr. Khalil Abdullah, who is also an assistant professor in the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center and director of Integrated Brain Tumor Research Program. He has published more than 100 research papers and regularly invited to speak both nationally and internationally. In short, he is extremely qualified. Now, Dr. Abdullah works with a lot of cutting-edge medical instruments to treat his patients with brain tumor. But the focus of our discussion today is not about medical science. Instead, we will attempt to separate some facts from fiction and get his realistic perspective on some of the technologies such as 5G and augmented reality that claims to revolutionize healthcare and assist medical professionals in innovative ways. So without further ado, let's hear it from Dr. Abdullah. We are I'm very pleased to have you on the show, Dr. Abdullah. Thank you. My pleasure. So give us a little bit of a background on your relationship with you know, medical science and how you have used technology. And, and you know, you're on, on, a, on a podcast with me on, on 5G wireless technology and how we ended up together here. Yeah, I mean, it's um, kind of an unusual trajectory, but I had been invited to speak at the 5G Roadshow. You know, from there, I think that some of our interests seem to dovetail. And so I was happy when you reached out because I think that there's a lot of opportunity to talk about what really drives medical advances in relation to technology. Um, I think every practicing physician today um, and everyone in the healthcare field is is ultra-reliant on technology. And I think over my career, I have seen the progress from paper charts to everything integrated in an EMR and lots of other examples of that in between. But I, I think that you know, in general, the medical field has become as reliant on technology as, as any other field. Oh, that's great to know. Uh, generally, my perception is healthcare is pretty much the last industry to adapt any new technology. So how is uh, how has wireless played a role in your day-to-day job and improving any patient outcomes? Yeah, I think, you know, by way of background, the reason that the medical field is the slowest to adopt technology is because they are also the ones that are most reliant on, on, on dependability. And, you know, cutting edge is not something that you hear from the general medical population in terms of technology. We talk about cutting edge techniques and cutting edge treatment, but the day-to-day aspects of taking care of patients in a hospital, what you want is the most reliable technology possible. And a lot of times we wait until technology has been adopted by consumers uh, or by other industries with success before we embark on doing it ourselves. Great. So I'm not sure how much you're tracking, you know, you, you mentioned you were at the 5G Roadshow and how much you're tracking the the new and emerging wireless technology called 5G. And if I Google healthcare and 5G or healthcare and augmented reality, 
there will be tons of opinions, mostly by vendors, service providers, and technologies like myself on how 5G and augmented reality is going to play a role in enabling new possibilities. And you can hear about everything from enabling remote surgery to telemedicine to connected ambulances to remote care and, and whatnot. As a medical professional and a consumer of some of these technologies, what's your what's your take on it? I mean, it's just like any other technology that claims to revolutionize an industry. You know, of of ten of them, maybe one has an impact that's that substantial. I think that five G will continue to influence healthcare in a positive manner, the same way that four G did, and the same way that three G did, and the same way that high speed internet via wireless did. But I don't think that it's going to have the effect that has been proposed in terms of people performing remote surgery because nobody needs that. It's not a requirement. It's not a necessity anywhere that a patient be operated on by a robot, um, nor is it feasible or practical in any capacity. And so I think that the applications of 5G are much more mundane, but much more useful than is being advertised. That's very interesting you said that because I would say and it's mostly probably because it's 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 sexy to say it right so remote surgery and and 5g and you know technology is making things possible and it's really interesting to hear your perspective on it and you said a few things that i'm going to go back to what you said one is you said it will make an impact just the way 3g did and 4g did and i would like to you know hear a bit more examples and thoughts about it and how you have experienced those and second is when you say it's really not needed and you don't see a possibility of, you know, uh, remote surgery, why would that be the case? And wh- why do you think, considering, you know, remote medicine is such an important aspect of, especially in developing countries or underdeveloped countries where they're not very experienced doctors and, and assisting other doc- local doctors there or however, uh, enabling that possibility, why would you say that, you know, it's not a need? Yeah, so I think, you know, separating what happens in the operating room, and I think that, you know, people often ask me how technology will revolutionize the operating room. And I, I think it has already to some extent, but I, I do not need augmented reality via 5G right now or in the next five years. But what I do need is I need to be able to talk to my patients via telemedicine and video conference, regardless of what part of Texas or the rest of the country or world that they're in. And I need to be able to do that reliably. And you would think, with our level of technological advance, that would not be an issue, but it remains an issue. Um, For example, if I would like to see a patient before or after I perform surgery on them in a traditional manner, I need to establish a telemedicine link with them via our software. They need to have a certain set of technological requirements they must meet for our software to be compatible. They must have a connection that is high speed enough and reliable enough that I can reasonably see them via video. And even when all of those things combine, I am often asking them to repeat themselves and they certainly are asking me to repeat myself just to get the basic components of a medical examination or just a discussion with video performed. That is an issue that is potentially very well solved by having a reliable and widespread 5G network. Okay. And so I do video calls with my family and friends all the time. You, so, you, so you're saying from a medical professional perspective, the quality of the video conversations you have on 4G networks or in, or in fact, five, I mean, Wi-Fi, most of people are indoor and having Wi-Fi connections. So they're not, they're not good enough 
what what's lacking? Look, if you are WhatsApping your family in a different part of the country or the world, and their picture is a little bit grainy or they're not really there's a lag, it's fine. You're just talking about how you're doing. You know, you're having a congenial conversation. When we're talking about something that is medically important and and describes the outcome someone's going to have or gives them a diagnosis or discusses how they're feeling, it needs to be better than that. And wireless is highly variable. So, I mean, I am not a technology expert, but I can tell you that even when you and I were setting up this podcast, you and Chuck asked me to make sure that I had a wired LAN connection. <laughs> That's true. That is very much right. And I'm sitting here on the state of the art server at the University of Texas, where we have every conceivable technological advance. And you guys are telling me that I've got to be wired. I mean, that should say something about the the necessity of of a faster wireless network that's not reliant on local throttling speeds, age of the router. You know, I, you're better equipped to answer those questions than I am, but there's a lot of variables that go into that. No, very well said, very well said. I think uh, the reliability of, especially the Wi-Fi, I think it's always been a question in terms of the bandwidth and throughput. And I believe that's where there are a lot of promises being made on 5G that because of its high bandwidth and low latency, there are applications that it will enable, um, will revolutionize. I, I'm yet to see that, but uh, good to hear that remote surgery is not one of them uh, that that will be well adopted. And the, and the reality is, and the reason why remote surgery is one of those things that sounds really interesting, but it's not quite there yet, is because who's going to perform the remote surgery? Is it a robot? How much does the robot cost? Who calibrates the robot? Is it a person that you're talking through surgery? Is that person qualified to do the surgery? Who's going to take care of that patient in the intervening hours afterwards if there's no specialized care team? Who's going to perform the next surgery if there's a complication on that same patient? I mean, these are all considerations which, you know, in an ideal sort of Hollywood setting, there's someone who needs emergency brain surgery in the reaches of Alaska. But the reality is that's not very common and that's not the problem that we're facing. The problem that we're facing is is access to a centralized expert, someone who is a surgeon or a advanced medical doctor who can provide it to an area where that's not available. It's not the technical aspects of performing the surgery that are the issue. It's the accessibility and the communication required to take care of that person over more than just that event. No, this is, uh, this is very well said. So along those lines, remote surgery, definitely, you know, it's an extreme thought. I was reading that someone in China has claimed that they've already done it, although there's no proofs of, of it. But I believe, do you, do you think a comp, uh, something in between, which is tele-assistance of someone who is operating or treating someone remotely but needs an expert advice and you're able to see what they see? Absolutely. That, that is helpful. And I think, but that is not augmented reality and that is not tele-surgery. That is simply telemedicine. And we need more of that and we need it to be more reliable. And you asked me earlier how 4G and 3G changed the way that I practice medicine. And it has significantly. Right now, you know, if I'm walking between buildings or I'm not in the hospital, I can pull up my phone and pull up a mobile EMR on my 4G LTE phone and I can review a CAT scan urgently. Mm-hmm. That That is not something to be taken lightly as somebody who has seen what cellophane CAT scans look like uh, and used them before, this is an entirely different era of medicine that we've entered into. And so, yes, medicine took a long time to adopt some of these things, but by the time that it was adopted, it was much more reliable. So I can get a reliable signal on my phone, review an emergency scan, or you know, someone in the hospital can send me a CAT scan 
when I'm not in the hospital and show me what's happening. Again, on an LTE network, that is not something that was possible five years ago. That's definitely uh, a great example of how mobile has changed the EMR part of it. A, a lot of time, you know, you, and you've alluded this before, a lot of time the adoption of technology is not about the readiness of the technology itself, but other areas of concerns, such as whether it's about health policies and the practicality of the use case, especially in wireless cases, radiation interferences, or simply about infrastructure readiness and skills of people who will use that technology. Can you share your views on some of these other concerns that might preclude 5G to become mainstream in your industry? Yeah, I, I think I during the 5G roadshow, I, I did a four-minute minute soliloquy on this, and it somehow made its rounds on the internet about how 5G does not cause cancer. What I said was, in the non-edited clip, was that I can't be sure that it doesn't cause cancer, and, and neither can really anybody, but that there's no evidence to support any any um, health, true health issues as related to 5G as of right now. And so I kind of couched that sentiment in as much research as we have available. And I can only speak from personal opinion that I, I personally don't find it too concerning to have 5G waves present in any environment, but I am not a radiation expert. The In terms of hospital readiness, I think you know someone more technologically inclined could better answer that question, but I can tell you that we have 4G signal boosters in our hospital. Not this hospital in particular, but other ones I know we have for sure that rely on certain networks and that allow for signal to be transmitted through an area which otherwise you know have interference. And that has worked just fine for probably close to a decade. So I, I think that it's probably possible, uh, and I don't foresee any major radiological or radio frequency interference between any of the equipment that we currently use and a 5G signal, as far as I know. But that's a bit out of my area. Okay. No, good to know. Last time when we spoke, you mentioned something which was very interesting. A lot of the discussions on technology typically happens, you know, within the operating room. And you mentioned that earlier as well. But it's, last time when we spoke, you mentioned something about, you know, automating the processes. You go through several trials before you're ready for the surgery. And the technology can play a role there that will be extremely beneficial. So can you throw some light on that? Yeah, in particular, you know, cranial surgery is very complex in a lot of ways, and it's sometimes nice to be able to review the trajectory that you're taking through a certain area of the brain or the other critical structures that are nearby and, and how you would perform that surgery before you actually perform it. I think all surgeons do that intuitively as a matter of their training and their practice, but technologically, it's nice to be able to go through that as well. There are a few technologies that are used to help patients see the surgery they're undergoing, and, and some surgeons are very bullish on um, uh, surgical theater technology where they're able to have a 3D reconstruction and, and a, an augmented or virtual reality um, uh, preparation. And those are all technologies that are being utilized increasingly, and it just depends on really the interests of the surgeon and their subspecialty as to whether or not it's a benefit to them. Okay. Can you give an example of any of your patients or any real world example where the technology has come in really handy for you, especially from a wireless perspective? In terms of the actual surgery or in terms of uh, total care? Of total care? Yeah. I mean, I see patients from all over the state of Texas and you know Oklahoma and, and everywhere else that come in for an opinion. And you know it's not easy to travel to the hospital when it's six hours away by car. Um, and it's not easy to get home after you've had a major surgery and you're trying to traffic through DFW airport. Those, those things are not, are not trivial. 
And when you're able to take care of somebody in the hospital for maybe a few days, two or three days, and provide them advanced surgical care, and then they're able to go home and be with their family and their community, and you're able to keep an eye on them and take care of them remotely, whether that be by communicating with them directly or with their doctors, it really does have a significant impact on their well-being and their quality of life. And I think in many ways, their outcome. It's hard for me to have a brain tumor patient come back six hours away just for a follow-up in two weeks. If I can reliably visit with them technologically, I, that is a, a big advance in the way that we practice medicine. And I think it's it's better for, for them, for the community, for the health system in, in pretty much every Great. way. And I think that I can do a lot more of that now um, than I could have done five years ago. So it's holiday time. So I have to ask you this. <laughs> if you have to put your wish list of innovation that you would you know, want the new technology like 5G or augmented reality to really solve a problem for you, what would that be? Oh, man. I mean, my wish list is very practical and boring. Um, and I think it has less to do with technology than regulation and practicality and, and health systems. But I really wish there was a unified HIPAA compliant application that allowed me to video conference with my patients and do telemedicine outside of the patient chart and provide an all-in-one solution to be able to, to have a stable, reliable 5G video connection that other physicians could have in their hospitals so that if they wanted to show me a patient, they could walk up to the patient and turn their phone camera around and we could discuss the patient with clarity um, and and with efficiency. And I, I wish there was a WhatsApp for medicine, really. <laughs> and that allowed us to have those kind of communications. And the problem is every hospital uses their own proprietary system. And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, billing that's involved and and making sure things are coded for and, and all of that. But it would be really great if there was a universally HIPAA compliant application on your phone that would allow people to communicate directly. Well, I hope someone is listening and, um, and, and act on it. Now, just to wrap up, I know there will be a lot of technologists listening to this podcast. What, what advice would you give to the technologists out there who are actively promoting big promises of 5G for the healthcare sector? What kind of practical advice will you give to them? Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm qualified to give it. I think they know what they're doing. I, you know, there's the market will bear the the majority of the of the uncertainty for 5G. And I think if if history is any guide to the cycles that I've seen in in, in medicine and technology there'll be that same hype cycle and then things will reliably fall into place among consumerism and, and, you know, more run of the mill products and, and 5g will bear out either. It'll be the thing that everyone thinks it is, or it'll be a little bit less exciting overall. But I think that faster wireless data speeds, whether it be 5g or some other technological advance are going to be of major benefit to the medical field. The mechanism by which we see that is probably not going to be super interesting, you know, wild surgical videos. It's probably going to be a more mundane use, which is the stuff that I've been harping on over the past 15, 20 minutes, which is accessibility and communication. And lots of health systems around the country are trying to make the hospital a last resort, meaning you really don't want to be here. You know, you, we, for a variety of reasons, there's infections everywhere, the, there's cost to it, there's, um, you know, an unnecessary uh, loss of efficiency. There's overhead problems. I mean, there's lots of 
reasons why if you're not that sick, you shouldn't be in the hospital. And I think that there's an understanding towards that. And there's been a shift away from this for about 10 years. And, and I don't know if how well you follow health policy and, and it's rather boring, but you know, even Medicare is, and many other insurers are penalizing readmissions to the hospital. They want to keep people out. They want to provide the best care at the lowest cost, uh, in the most efficient manner. And part of that is making sure people don't come back when they don't have to. And if there are ways to decrease the reliance on a centralized health system by decentralizing it, uh, I think, you know, that is something that is a big deal. I, if you think about it, how often do you really go to the bank? That's anymore? very true. Yeah, I mean, do you personally do you go to the bank very no, often? No, I don't. I can do pretty much everything unless I need some green dollars in my hand. Right. So, so we're not. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. Um, but you know, most banks, some banks don't even have physical branches. And you know, I think that we're going to end up in situations where a lot of physicians are treating patients without a physical office, and they're doing that already. And I think that we're going to reserve big specialty hospitals like my own. Um, for the most complex of the most complex cases. And there's going to be a lot of room for development of infrastructure to provide those alternative arrangements to see your doctor. And I think that the generation of patients who are uncomfortable with that and the generation of doctors who are uncomfortable with that, that's changing with the demographic of the rest of the country. And so more and more people are comfortable talking to their doctor remotely and virtually and coming in when necessary. And it will never replace the patient-doctor connection. And it will never replace putting your hands on a patient and, and seeing how they are and, and that that warmth that you get and the special relationship you have with your patient. Um, but for a lot of purposes, I think it, in some ways, it's much better for our patients if they don't have to you know, travel an hour and a half just to see somebody. All right. I think that's very well summarized. I think telemedicine is, is the thing that needs to happen properly, which... Some think that it that's already happening, and something that's very already mature, and it's a mistake of a lot of us technologists and analysts who you know always look at things from a hype cycle to maturity of their own marketing messages versus you know what's real and listening to your opinions about you know what you really need in that connection and connectivity and making sure you're able to you know properly diagnose a patient is so critical than just you know, establishing a video call. It's an ecosystem that needs to be ready around it. So thanks a lot, Dr. Abdullah. This was really good conversation. A lot of good insights and practical insights and practical suggestions on, you know, how people should think about healthcare and technology together. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Ashish. Thank you. Thank you. While the promise of remote surgery seems to be a fiction, there are a lot of other areas such as telemedicine where 5G can make a big difference. Dr. Abdullah, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Our entire aim with the Alignment Podcast is to make technology real for common people. And I think our conversation just did that. Thank you for sharing valuable insights with our listeners. Thank you everyone for listening. Join us next time for another great conversation. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform and do share your thoughts on this week's episode. You can always reach out to me on my email at ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Till then, goodbye.